Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast, and I'm here live with Nicole Espinoza, the short sale queen, and we're going to be talking about some of the crazy awesome things that she's doing, but we're also going to be talking about in this podcast what's going on in the industry with terms of in terms of mortgage defaults. Nicole has been in the center of this for a long, long time, and I met her just a few weeks ago in one of the masterminds I'm in, and I've never met somebody that has done more short sales than Nicole has. So we're going to be talking about like, what on earth do you do? How do you do that many? And uh, so we're going to be talking about a few things, you know, like what's going on with the mortgages, the mortgages that are in default. Nobody's talking about this. Why is nobody talking about this? Are there reasons why? What does that mean for us in the future? When is it finally going to start happening? When are we going to start seeing these foreclosures and these short sales in a much bigger way? You know, Biden just extended foreclosures, uh, the foreclosure forbearance until what did you say, Nicole, June 30th? Yeah. So he, extended the foreclosure moratorium until June 30th, which all that means is that no one can do evictions or foreclosures for any government backed loans, which the majority of loans are FHA VA loans. So what's happened, guys, we're going to be talking about this on the podcast, is there's been a lot of people now that have, are in default. They're behind on their mortgage payments. And whether it's by choice or they've lost their job, it's you know it's tragic. It's a bad situation. So we're going to be talking about in this podcast how you can actually help these people, number one, how you can help them, and number two, how you can find some good deals, maybe, out of what's going to be happening here. So Nicole, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Now, when I heard you the other day in the mastermind, you did or are doing how many short sales? Uh, we're doing over a hundred a month. So we have a rotation. We're actually, we do a team meeting every morning with the entire team because we're in 14 markets. And so we're constantly collaborating and talking about, you know, potential issues and things like that. And like, Hey, you know, how many listings are coming in and how many closings are going out? So it's a lot of human beings. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How big is this company, your company? So I have 11 employees, 11 people on staff, and I have uh, 14 agents. Are you doing this? Are you finding these yourself or are you, are people bringing you these short sales? You're negotiating them for them? Yeah. So we're a hundred percent referral okay. uh, is a big deal in this industry. Uh, we've been a hundred percent referral, especially at this level of this many listings for about three years. Wow. hundred a month. Now I, everybody thought that short sales were kind of done. I mean, didn't we stop doing short sales seven, eight years ago, but they're I've been doing them. So I don't know what else people are doing. <laughs> they're alive and well. Um, yeah. So people are referring these short sales to you. So do they pay you a fee or do you get a percentage of the profit out of each deal? How does that work? Yeah. So two different types of professionals that would refer deals to us, right? So we have real estate investors who are coming across these deals with no equity, right? They're prospecting, they're direct marketing, and these deals just don't make sense. So they walk away. And instead of walking away from the lead, they're referring it to us. In that situation, we're representing the homeowner. So we are the licensed agent that's negotiating on their behalf. And because we're representing them, the bank pays us. So the investor doesn't have to pay us. The homeowner doesn't have to pay us. Our fee goes to the bank. 
And then the second type of person, professional that would refer to us is real estate agents because they don't know how to do short sales. Back to the investor though, the referral from the investor. Can that investor buy the deal? Yes. So that's the intention. The intention is that they can't purchase it traditionally. So they refer to us. We do the negotiations. We represent the homeowner and they're still able to purchase the property from the bank. So when an investor brings you a deal, what do you need from the investor? So at that point, they've already established rapport with the homeowner and we are like their partner. So we ask them, you know, hey, when you're referring it over, you know, it's a warm, you know, handoff. And at that point, they're just telling them, hey, I still want to buy the house, but I need, you know, you need to talk to them to see if you'd qualify because of how much you owe. Mm -hmm. And so we just need them to, you know, set us up for success, right? Tell the homeowner that we're going to be calling them. We pre-qualify the homeowner. So we make sure that they would actually qualify for the short sale. And we make sure we have everything we need so that we can actually close. We're not going to take on something we can't close because time is the only thing we have. So we do our due diligence up front. So when you close, when you say close, that means that investor who brings you the deal is going to be able to close on that deal. Correct. And not every deal is going to work out, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, there's going to be some traditional deals or retail deals. But yeah, you know, the majority of the time, the intent is that we are negotiating that investor's offer so that we can, you know, get it accepted from the bank and close and help the homeowner. That's a good distinction. You're negotiating that investor's offer on that property. Absolutely. All right. So the investor brings you a deal, motivated seller. They're behind on payments. They've already gotten the foreclosure notice. Maybe not. Maybe it's a pre-foreclosure, right? But the, the seller's already been behind on payments. Right. Does the notice of default have to be issued? No, they just have to have some type of financial hardship. So they can start to be to fall behind or they could already be behind, but it doesn't matter in what part of the process it is. All right. And uh, obviously this is helping the seller because a short sale is better on their credit than a foreclosure. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, we are negotiating on their behalf at no cost. Like in what world do you have someone advocating for you and it doesn't cost you anything, uh, saving them from foreclosure, settling their debt, and we're settling anything that has to do with the house. So liens, judgments, taxes, everything. How often are you able to get them the short sale approved without a deficiency judgment? 100% of the time. 100% of the time. That's 100%. We don't, we don't close or get to that process without it because then there's no point of the homeowner going through the process. If that's the case, then just, you know, let it go to foreclosure. So if our clients have a legitimate hardship, they're going to walk away free and clear from that debt. So what, what does a short sale look like on a credit report? Do they just see the 30, 60, 90 day lates? on the credit report or do they actually see a short sale on the credit report? How does that work? So the biggest thing, you know, credit obviously is a revolving factor, right? So there's a lot of things that go into credit, but how the short sale comes into play is the the biggest hit is the mispayments, like you're saying. Sure. Um, Because that's something they report regardless of whether they do a short sale or not. Once the short sale is closed, it shows that it's paid. So it shows as a paid debt. Sometimes they'll report it paid, settled for less, but it'll always show as, as a paid debt. Okay. Which is still better than a foreclosure. Absolutely. Foreclosure takes how many years to get off your credit? Well, it depends on when they, it starts from when they actually record it. So sometimes they can record it years later, but seven to 10 years. Wow. Yeah. So cool. Now the investor who brings you these deals, can you give us an example maybe of the typical deal they can bring to you and that the discount they kind of get? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So the discount is really, and we get this a lot, like how low can I get the property or what kind of discount? And it's really going to be based off of repairs. 
right? So we always tell the investors that we partner with, hey, the best way that we can negotiate your offer and justify a discount is if you work with us on your contractors, getting the bids, pictures of the damages, you know, really everything that we can use to get that price down. Now, each bank is going to be different or each type of loan is going to be different. So for example, on FHA loans, they'll go as low as 84% of whatever that as is appraised value is. So they'll accept 84% of that. When you have conventional, it's 90% mostly sometimes you can get a little bit lower if you can prove you know the the damages and things like that but you have to remember it's the percentage of the as is appraised value so the key is getting that appraisal low so yeah. that you can get a percentage of it I remember uh, I had a friend who was doing a lot of uh, short sales a long time ago, and he would always get a professional mold, a mold remediation company to come and inspect his houses and yeah. can you know can you guess why oh of course. Because every house has mold, right? right? Every house has mold and it looks scary. And there was always an estimate for to remediate some of the mold problems that was there. Yeah. He would, if he'd saw any kind of hint of termites or foundation problems and things like that. Yeah. I mean, that's not, it's not gaming the system or tricking. I mean, that's stuff that can be very, very serious, right? Yeah. Um, so is that something you see investors do? Well, these kinds of inspections done? I'll tell you this, the banks aren't stupid, right? So when, like you said, back in the day, I mean, there was, everyone was doing everything, right? And so the banks are a lot more strict than they've ever been because there's been so many lawsuits and fraud. And of course, it only takes, you know, how many other people to ruin it for everyone else. But at the end of the day, if a property has, is distressed and it rules out any type of financing, it has to go to an investor. Like we can all agree on that. The banks aren't going to like it. But we can agree on that. So if that's the case, then going to bat for our our investor or offer our client is always what we're going to do. The hard part, honestly, just full transparency are the properties that are really nice and the investors are still trying to get a discount. And you're just like, oh, I can't really justify a 2017 house, (laughs) you know, and on those we do pay for the lead. So if they do get houses that they don't want to buy, we do pay for the lead, which is great because that way that investor is still getting compensated on a lead that they would have thrown away because that direct marketing is expensive, right? So you have people that are watching right now that are spending so much money. I mean, think about how hard it is to get the data and then find the seller and then build rapport with them and then get them on board only to find out you can't do anything with the lead, right? It's so frustrating. So with this, it gives you an opportunity to be able to get your ROI you know, up on every single lead. Right. Okay. So an investor is listening to this thinking, well, all right, that's cool. You can negotiate the short sale for me. Uh, how do you get paid again? Do you get paid, did you say from the bank or as a listing? Right. So we're, the, we're the agent on in the transaction representing the homeowner and we get paid directly from the bank. They pay us a commission. Nice. So when a realtor refers a, a listing or uh, one of these to you, how does a realtor who gave you the referral get paid? So the realtor will just get a referral fee. And the best part about our system, because we're 100% referral, the way our system works is you get an update every single week. So whether you're an investor, realtor, whoever referred it over, you know every week what's going on. Because for me as a professional, like my biggest pet peeve was people work so hard to get the business, but nothing to keep it. So, you know, you have those people like, here, give it to me, I'll do it. And then you're like, okay, I gave it to you five weeks ago. What's going on? And you're constantly having to chase them. So we built out a system that every single week, um, the homeowner and the investor or realtor get updates on the files. So they know what's going on every step of the way. Nice. Nice. All right. And then um, before we talk about what's going on with 
the foreclosure or, you know, the, the mortgages that are in default situation yeah. right now, because it is really bad. Yeah. Before we get into that, I want to ask, because I know some investors are thinking, oh, well, how do I find these leads then? Right. I mean, I remember back in the day when I, I, I dabbled in short sales and foreclosures back in the past, but so much has changed over the yeah. last 10 years. Right. Oh, I've wow. not really done much with it. How does an investor find these sellers who might be behind on their payments and can maybe offer to help them do a short sale. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest thing is you need to make sure in order to qualify for the short sale, they have to have some type of financial hardship. And the easiest way to, you know, prospect for that is someone that is either late or behind on their mortgage, right? Or that they're facing foreclosure. And they ha- and the other part of it is that they have to have no equity right? They have to owe too much between their mortgage balance, HOA, closing costs, all of that. And the easiest way to determine that is if the if the homeowner was to sell the house, would they have to come to closing with money sure. after it's all said and done? That's yeah. the easiest way to determine if someone is upside down. So and for an investor, you know, what we always say, because we get this a lot, like, I just want a market to short sales. I just want to prospect. And the way we look at it is it doesn't make sense just to prospect for short sales specifically. You just need to have an exit strategy for every single lead that you're prospecting, right? So you have to have a motivating factor, which is they're they're behind. And if you if you determine that the numbers don't make sense, then now you know, okay, I've identified this as a short sale and I have an option, you know, for this homeowner. So you look at it as this is another tool in your tool belt instead of turning them away or walking on to the, walking away to the next deal. Because most investors that get into this business, especially new investors, they're only focused on one thing. And what they should be doing is trying to capitalize on every single conversation that they have, if they can't do it themselves, that they have the tools in their tool belt to make sure that someone else can, they can partner with someone else yeah. can. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm looking at list source right now for foreclosure prospects. There's mm-hmm. lists that you can buy yep. and it's not as big of a list as it used to be, but it's pretty crazy how you can see just through list source that anybody can get a yeah. list of pre-foreclosures where the, for, the default has been issued, right? Yep. And it's been under pre-foreclosure. But you're absolutely right. Sometimes by the time it hits this list, that seller has already gotten a bunch of letters and postcards and people come and oh, knock yeah. on the doors, right? Absolutely. And, and it's a very competitive list. It's a small list. The best time to find these sellers are when they are already late on their mortgages. And how do you find them? Well, there's not an easy way to get that list that I know of. I was right. just asking Nicole before we started here, is there a way? And she doesn't know how. But like, yeah. you find those sellers, though, by doing the regular normal marketing that you do. Right. Um, so, which is pretty powerful. And I will tell you this, even in a competitive, you know, like you're saying, people are getting lists and they're getting calls and, and mail and all this other stuff. It doesn't really matter because the majority of the people that are prospecting have no clue how to help these people. So you will always stand out from your competition when you try and educate these homeowners and trying instead of selling them on selling your house, you know, fast because I, I have cash. And I think a lot of people, if they understood that, they would get more contracts every single time because they would spend more time trying to connect with that homeowner and explain and educate them on where they're at. But that starts with you knowing, right? So it starts with you knowing and understanding what's going on and how how it plays with those homeowners that are behind. Yeah. And later on, we'll give you, everybody listening here, a link where you can get more information from Nicole and the short sale queen, what she does. And I'm sure you have training in there available for folks too, where they can learn how to present these 
options to the sellers, right? Yeah, absolutely. What to say, what not to say. Yeah, so I actually have, you know, my YouTube, we do weekly videos and for free on education for real estate investors. So it's the short sell queen. So if they go and subscribe and and watch the videos, that's free. And then of course, you you put the link for my website, but we put a lot of information out for free. So the short sale, I spelt queen wrong. That's embarrassing. <laughs> How do you spell queen? W E N. Two E's, right? Yes. There you go. There you go. Right. Two so just look up on YouTube the short sale queen or just Google yeah. the short sale queen. And I'll give you guys Nicole's link here in a minute. All right. So let's talk about President Biden issued a for, or extended the foreclosure moratorium to June 30th. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming that's the same with evictions, right? So it's it's a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures. Is that right? Correct. When they when they did this though, is it he's only delaying or pushing back foreclosures from somebody who has fallen behind on payments because of COVID, or is it just all across the board, all of them? It's all across the board. So the majority of so all of this is political, right? Sure. So he's coming in, and all we're doing is just making a bigger mess, right? Because they're trying to figure out like how do we delay the inevitable. The reality is we have so many people that stopped paying that automatically went into forbearance or stopped paying because of COVID, which was only supposed to be temporary because forbearance is only designed for a temporary hardship, right? So the when you are behind that long, the only way to catch up is either to pay in full, which if someone didn't have one month, they're not going to have a year's worth of payments, right? Or they have to restructure their loan. Okay. So what that means is they have to apply for a loan modification and that's going to put them in a worse situation and not everyone's going to qualify for that. So now you have, and so according to in the announcement, when they announced the, that Biden extended it again, they said that 10.1 million people are in default right now. 10.1 million. So put that in context. What is it normally? So for me, when I first saw that number, I was like, that, that is so high, right? So when last year, it was like two to three million people were in forbearance. And so I did some research because I wanted to see in perspective of when the market crashed. When I first got in the market, into the real estate market, it was when it crashed, so 2009. And the, the highest rate of default was 2010, right? So when I did some research in 2010, it was 2.2%. And that was the worst our economy has ever seen. 2.3%. And that's 2.9 million foreclosures. And I, I was blown away. I'm like, holy cow. So you're telling me that when shit hit the fan and it was the worst of the worst, we were at 2.9 million foreclosures. And right now we have 10.1 million people that are in default. Now, obviously not everyone's going to go to foreclosure, but you have 10.1 million people that are behind on their mortgage and have to do something. And the scary part is, is that no one's talking about it right? They're just casually putting it in the article and you guys can look it up like in the announcement, it says it right there because it would cause a panic. But what professionals and investors and what people should be thinking about is, okay, so in the next six months, the entire market is going to look completely different. And if you set yourself up now to educate yourself, to put yourself in a position where you know how to help these people, you're going to kill it. You're not only going to help more people, but you're going to thrive above everyone else because you're doing this before everyone else is talking about it. And right now, homeowners are trying to figure out what to do because they're on borrowed time. Like, Let's talk about what what are the banks going to do? Now, somebody might say, well, look, this is different than 2009, 2010 because house values were plummeting. 
and they were falling. Um, now, house values have been rising to pretty s- strong demand for housing. Why won't the banks just keep on issuing, what are they called? They, they, they modify the loan. Why don't they just keep on doing loan well, modification? Well, you have to remember that they have to qualify for a modification, right? So the homeowner has to prove that they make three times the amount of the mortgage in order to qualify. So it's not like the banks can just say, everybody in modification, like they have to actually go through that. So that's first of all. Second of all, I challenge what you just said as far as the market being so strong only because right now everything's protected. So the only reason why price it's different right now is because there hasn't had an opportunity for tenants to be evicted. There hasn't been an opportunity for people to go into foreclosure. So the difference is, is that we never had, when the market crashed, we never had any type of protection. We didn't have stimulus money going into being you know, pushed into the economy. So we really don't have a gauge of what the market really is. We just know that there's no inventory. So when there's no inventory, people are, you know, need homes. So of course there's going to be a spike, but what's going to happen in after June, or if they extend it again for when, when, whenever the actual time is when everything's on the table and people start getting evicted and people start getting foreclosed on. It's going to look completely different. I was just looking at an article. I keep on thinking of these things that I read in the last few days. And I was talking to Nicole before we started the podcast, like, oh, I saw a really good chart that showed like the decline in, in mortgage defaults. And then all of a sudden, this huge spike up over the last six months. Um, and this was a chart over the last 10 years. And it's been going steadily down ever since. And then in the last six months, it's spiked up. And the peak where it's at now in this chart, if I find it, I'll put it in my in Facebook or something. Or if somebody listening to this knows what I'm talking about, look for. let me know where it is. But that peak is almost higher than it was back then in 09. And so it's just, it's insane. And a lot of people are, you're right, not talking about it. Although I did see an article as just, Look, I'll look at this in a minute here, where there's big concerns now of what happens when the eviction moratorium is lifted. Are all of these landlords just going to go out and start doing a bunch of evictions? Yeah. Who knows? But we need to be ready for it. I mean, what's that phrase that you got to be planned for the... Be plan for the worst and be prepared for the, for the uh, I forget, how does that saying go? But anyway, that's fine. I do that all the time. <laughs> so, but like, we got to figure out how can we put in a position where we can help these people who are going to be facing foreclosure, um, but also a profit pretty immensely from this. There's a, a lot of opportunity coming. And, it's, and some, I've heard some people talking about a foreclosure tidal wave, a tsunami that's going to be happening sometime. So who knows what the government's going to do? I mean, they may release the moratorium, but then also give some assistance to homeowners. And where does that money go to? And all this money that the that the government is printing, what's going to happen to inflation down the road? I'm kidding. Where are they getting it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I wish I would have been more prepared with these charts, but I've been seeing people talk about it yeah. and it's all underground almost. It feels like it seems like nobody in the media. Right. But you know what? It makes total sense why no one is. And it's it's the same concept that no one talks about it until everybody talks about it. Right. But it's crazy from my end just to see behind the scenes the huge impact that's already taking place. The lenders right now, their review times are almost double than they were six months ago because they're overloaded on applications. They're hiring like crazy. So there's so many key indicators of what's happening and what's going to happen and stuff that people just aren't talking about or even know because we're in a different world, you know, it feels like. Here is, I found the article. Oh, there you go. There it is. Okay, this is Time Magazine just the other day. The crisis around the corner. 
So right here, the crisis around the corner. Millions of tenants. This is just tenants. Yeah. Millions of tenants are behind on rent. Mom and pop landlords are struggling and a looming wave of evictions will make everything worse. And so this is a really long, detailed article about it. And this is just talking about the eviction moratorium. So again, Nicole, just what would you recommend to people how to be how to be ready for this when we start seeing it happen? So if you didn't take away anything else from what we talked about today, I think your biggest objection as a real estate professional, whether you're an investor, realtor, whoever is listening, is to educate yourself on the options that homeowner has, that homeowners have. And the reason why is because if you fully understand and you can be a resource for the community, you're going to get more deals. You're going to get more referrals. You're going to get more business and you're going to be able to help more people. Yeah. Okay. Thank. This is why I love doing my podcast <laughs> live on YouTube because somebody finds out or tell me what I should have said. Hope for the best, plan for the worst. Thank you. I do that all the time. I try not to say phrases because I screwed up every time. And I'm like, um, and then, you know, then yeah. you come on and you're like, oh, yeah, that's what and I And then mean. you're embarrassed and then it gets worse because you're yeah. embarrassed and like, oh. <laughs> No, uh, by the way, here, we've only got Nicole for a few more minutes, guys. If you have questions, this is the place and the time to type them in the Facebook and the YouTube chats, and we'll give these questions to Nicole. I've got some here. This is uh, da, 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 Nicole dropping Jack. RJ. <laughs> oh, what's up, RJ? Arlene, Nicole is the queen of short sales. She actually uh, just graduated from a mentorship program. Hey, Arlene. Another fan, John Jackson. John Jackson's, I know John, he's a goofball. She's the expert of all experts on short sales. I am. All right. Here's a good question from Mike. Are your services nationwide? They absolutely are. We're currently in, we operate in 14 markets right now. 14. Can you yeah. do more or is that just what you're yeah, going to do? We just won't go into, and I say markets, I just, I mean states. Okay. Um, yeah. And we won't go into an, a new state or market until we have all of it set up, right? Like title partners and agents and things like that. But yes, we do have the ability. So if it makes sense, we are definitely open to expansion. And then somebody's asking here, I missed the, at the beginning, what is the name of your company? The Short Sale Queen. Can't see the background, but it's the Short Sale Queen. All right. Nice. The Short Sale Queen. And um, I'm going to put your website here into banners, give people a little bit more time to ask a question. What is your website, Nicole? Vthegssqueen.com. Uh, wow. I keep on spelling queen wrong. The SS Queen. There you go. I spell queen very often. That's why. Is that it? The SS Queen? SSQueen.com. Are you active on Instagram? Do you have? Do you I am. Follow you, uh, you can find me on Instagram, the Nicole Espinosa. Well, I got to write that down now. IG. IG, the, the Nicole Espinosa. E S P I N O S A. Five bucks. I got this wrong. Yep. Put uh, O, Nicole. Ah, dang it. <laughs> and it's not dot com, but they know. Oh, that's, uh, you can find me on Instagram. Nicole Espinosa, and I'm really active on Instagram, always posting videos and, and information, things like that. All right. I know you don't have, is it there? Do you see it? That's it. Ah, all right. So good. Now the questions are coming in. Let's, uh, let's pull some questions here. <laughs> she <was> speaks Spanish. <laughs> yes. So our whole office. Oh, shoot, that's, he's asking, does she speak Spanish? Okay. I thought that was yeah. a silly Un poquito espanol. Okay. Soy cubana. Um, but my whole office is set up. So we have three people in the office that speak Spanish. We have a lot of um, bilingual clients. Nice, nice. All right, here, Jason. Oh, Jason Lucchese's in the house. Uh, the market has doubled compared to where it was back in 2008 with mortgage defaults. Yep. Should get pretty nutty here. Yeah. It should, absolutely. Very good. 
a comment here. Do you know, oh, my screen's kind of acting up here. Do you know of any attorneys or title companies in California that can close sub two and lease options? Yeah, but we can talk about that offline. Uh, where do you find out more about your mentorship? Okay, somebody's asking about Florida. What yes, about Florida? we have actually have an office there. Awesome. Um, I'm getting a lot of questions here that aren't related to short sales or mortgage defaults. So I'm hoping that Peter's asking a good question here. I guess, is this an acceptable to add as an additional option in wholesaling? So I guess when you're talking to a seller, you really need to find out their situation, right? Are they behind on payments? Are they about to be behind on payments? So remember, this is an exit strategy. So if, if they are upside down, they owe more than the house is worth, you can still wholesale the short sale. You just do it through the bank. Yeah. Right. And in order to wholesale, the, you can't assign the contracts in the short sale. There are actual, I mean, and this is going to take like, there's a long drawn out explanation. I have a whole video on it on my YouTube, but the short version is you can do a double close and it is, it is an option. You can do it. So however you end up getting the property, you then determine, do I hold on to it and take it down? Do I flip it? Do I wholesale it? You know, a- after you get that price back. Then uh, somebody else is asking here, what are the license requirements to do short sales? So you have to have a real estate license in order to represent the homeowner and get paid a commission. Somebody else is asking, what is the uh, link? What was that Time Magazine article? And I have it right here. I'm going to share my screen, see if this- I wrote it down, the crisis around the corner. Yeah. I just opened the news app on my, is this it here? Do you guys see this? Here you go. Ah, look at that. It works. <laughs> Let me uh, remove my banners. So this is an article, Millions of Tenants, and this is from Time Magazine. And it goes down into quite a bit of detail and depth about this. And this is just one of many articles that I found. But if you're using the news, okay, here's some stats. $5,850, the estimated average rent and utilities that nearly 12 million tenants owed as of January. So the average rent and utilities that a tenant owes in January was 5,800 bucks. That was two months ago. Percentages of one unit rentals owned by landlords who are still paying off their property. So 39% of all rentals out there still have mortgages on them, which sounds kind of low. It does sound very low. I have heard this too, that um, one third of all homeowners in the United States own their house free and clear. One third. Wow. 33%. It's a little bit higher with landlords, maybe. Uh, 35% is the estimated percentage of total eviction filings that were sent to black renters amid the pandemic despite moratoriums. So despite the moratoriums, 35% of the total eviction filings were sent to black renters. I think I read that right. And proportion of landlords in the U.S. who are white, three and four. So 75% of the landlords are white. So I don't, I don't think this is a race issue, but maybe it is. And I was like, why did they put that? It's very- yeah. But this is, maybe that's what they talk about. Maybe Uh it is, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, any other questions here before we wrap this up? Any other questions or comments? This is from Jason. Not all banks will allow an A to B, B to C transaction with the deed restrictions. Can we talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I said, absolutely, Jason. That's why I said I go into detail in YouTube because there's no way to go over all of it in a short answer. Um, Your strategy is going to be based on whatever the bank allows. So with certain loans, FHA sometimes will do that. We've seen that with deep restrictions, which means that you have to hold onto the property. Uh, Generally, it's the same verbiage for all the deep restrictions where you have to hold it for 30 days and you can't sell it above a certain percentage. So basically, all in all, you have to hold on to it for 90 days. But 
you know, you can do a double close if there are no restrictions. You can take it on however you want. There are a couple different strategies you can do with short sales to still wholesale. But yeah, like I said, I, I go into detail in the YouTube video, but you have to look out for that. And a lot of times you don't even find out about the deed restrictions until it's already approved. So very good. All right. So your website again, Nicole, is the ssqueen.com. Yes, sir. You can find you on Instagram at the Nicole Espinoza. Yep. There is no dot com in an IG <laughs> handle. And the best thing to do for like free resources and videos is is YouTube. I mean, yeah. we put a lot of um, information out there. We have a, a pretty we've spent a lot of energy trying building that up in this last six months. And YouTube's a whole other animal. <laughs> but yeah, we try to put as much out there as possible. All right. Well, Nicole, thanks for being on the show. Really yeah. appreciate it. And uh, uh, wish you the best of success going forward. I know a lot of people listening to this are going to be, I'm hoping, will refer their short sale leads to you. There is a lot that, again, you got so many fans here. I work with a lot of, hey, Joel. <laughs> work with a lot of um, he's out in Houston. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, Nicole. And again, guys, if you want to reach Nicole, go to the ssqueen.com and uh, we will see you all later. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thanks. 